Hi, everyone. David Harris with you here for Criminal Injustice, and this is Ask Dave. That's right. You've got a question about the criminal justice system. If you call it in, I'll try to give you an answer. And today, we have a question from Holly in Idaho, and she's been listening to our content about surveillance. I'll bet she's probably thinking most about that last bonus that we posted about automatic license plate readers, ALPRs. We put that up on Sunday, May 5th, and she wants to know what can we as citizens do about the surveillance systems that seem to be popping up everywhere in our world. Here's Holly's question, edited with her permission a little bit for length. Here we go. Hi, Dave. I really appreciate your podcast. My name is um, Holly Chase, and I am calling from Sun Valley, Idaho, and, well, Pocatello, Idaho, too. Um, I just listened to one of your podcasts about kind of fighting um, all of these statutes with um, surveillance, and I wondered what you feel like are, you know, the best real defenses for these situations. If you could just kind of touch, like, what are some real defenses or remedies, and what would you think would be one of the safest ways to, you know, go about that without you yourself, you know, doing more harm? Hello from Idaho. Now, that's a great question. We as citizens, bottom line is that we have to act and we have to get vocal. Uh, The good thing is that we can actually make a difference in whether this surveillance technology gets used or not. Uh, It may, of course, be uncomfortable. There may be some cost to being vocal and being very public about our opposition to these things or wanting them to be regulated in some way, but we can and we should speak up on these surveillance issues uh, when we find them disturbing uh, and not just meekly accept whatever law enforcement decides it wants to do. Here's a little more detail about what I mean. First, don't let anyone tell you that we don't have a right to be heard on these issues or that we need to do whatever we're told on these kinds of surveillance issues uh, just because uh, there is a public safety concern. I'm a very firm believer in the idea that we can have both public safety and our rights as citizens as we want them to be respected. Any surveillance in the United States is ultimately subject to the Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which gives us freedom from unreasonable searches and seizures. Now, plenty of these uh, surveillance techniques, I mean, take something very, very, you know, just pedestrian, like police watching you on the street or something like that, the courts will say, and in fact have said, well, there's no reasonable expectation of privacy there. But it's not as if you don't have a right to be heard on these things. And when we talk about digital surveillance and technological surveillance of various kinds, there is a long history of people standing up and objecting. Uh, We don't have to have the world as handed to us by the authorities. We have a right to make our voices heard. And so when a new technology comes along, there are typically at least two avenues uh, to uh, make our feelings known about the police using that technology 
in their work. Uh, the first is the common thing that you probably think of, which is it comes up in a criminal case. The police use the technology, and then there is an objection when somebody gets arrested as a result of the use of the technology, and there is a motion to suppress whatever evidence was collected as a result of the use of that technology. This is very typical Fourth Amendment-style litigation. Uh, it happens. And so uh, here's a good example, and this takes us all the way back to the late 90s, the early 2000s. In that period, we were coming out of the Cold War, and a lot of the technology developed for the armed forces was suddenly finding its way into domestic law enforcement. And one of those pieces of technology was something called thermal imaging. Thermal imaging, uh, certainly people who've been in the military know, and by now, I'm sure that this is, you know, sort of common knowledge too. The idea of thermal imaging is that you're using a kind of scope and it makes the heat in any particular area coming off a structure, whatever it is, it makes the heat visible in colors. Uh, in to the viewer, and that that and you could see how that would be very very valuable in the military when you're looking for the camouflage tanks behind the tree line, but the use of these by police. Uh, was also very interesting. And when they made their way into domestic law enforcement, one of the uses made of thermal imagers was to find hidden marijuana growing sites. Now, this seems almost quaint now with uh, more than 10 states uh, having uh, uh, some degree of legalization, decriminalization of either medical marijuana or even recreational marijuana. But these grows typically took place within buildings and police wanted to use thermal imagers in order to spot the heat that is generated by the use of intense lighting for the plants for periods of 16 and 18 hours. Now, there are varying ways to find this evidence of the use of intense heat, but all of a sudden, here were thermal imagers. You could just take this thing out of the trunk of the police car, point it at the building about which you were suspicious, and you could see if it was giving off lots of excess heat. And this is precisely what happened in a case called Kylo, K-Y-L-L-O, which I think was decided by the Supreme Court in 2001. So uh, the police in that case suspected Mr. Kylo had a marijuana grow going uh, in his home, and they went and used the thermal imager to see if excess heat was coming out of the walls of the building. Now, they did this without getting a warrant. The officer did exactly what I was talking about a few minutes ago, simply took out the thermal imager and pointed it at the house, saw that certain portions of the house were giving off lots of excess heat. Then they went and got a warrant, and then they searched the house, and they found the marijuana farm inside the house. The Supreme Court, looking at this, said, wow, new technology. But here's the thing. You want to point that at a house, you must have a warrant. So the Supreme Court didn't say you can never do this. They said it must be properly regulated in the Fourth Amendment sense. You must go to a judge, a neutral judge, and present the judge with reasons that will convince the judge that there is probable cause to believe there's a marijuana farm in that house. You can't just point it at the building. So this is one typical way that 
uh, use of technology can be challenged uh, when citizens don't want it. The problem with this, though, is that it's all post hoc, all right? We wait until the technology gets into mainstream law enforcement, and then we turn around in a, a live case and we say, hey, you shouldn't have been able to do that without a warrant, or at all, perhaps. Uh, that's not a real good way to make policy. Uh, it's only a way to be reactive. It's better than nothing, but that's only one avenue. Here's another uh, case uh, uh, of the same thing happening. You may remember hearing about the Carpenter case back in June of 2018, decided by the Supreme Court of the United States. We talked about it here on Criminal Injustice. In the Carpenter case, the police went to cell phone providers, and they got data to show where the defendant's phone had hooked into cell phone sites, into cell sites, those things that your phone hooks into automatically without you knowing it as you drive around. And by showing where the defendant's phone was relative to these cell phone towers, over a period of time, they were able to kind of draw a map uh, of where the defendant was in particular crucial periods of time, and they were able to show that the defendant was, in fact, in the area of a string of robberies, good and persuasive evidence resulting in a conviction. Well, after the fact, that practice was challenged. You can't just go get that information without a warrant, said the Supreme Court Great. So cell site location information now no longer available unless you can convince a judge. But like I said, that's all post hoc. Right? So is there another way uh, that we could respond as citizens that doesn't require waiting until the technology is in the mainstream and in use and becomes harder to regulate if you don't want it at all? And there is. So you don't have to wait for a Fourth Amendment challenge. Um, because, you know, you could take it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court might say, no, that's fine. You don't even need a warrant for them. Where are you then? If citizens don't want a particular type of surveillance to be used, they don't have to wait to go to court and have a case. They can do this legislatively. In other words, they can do it by going to the people who make the laws, and that can be your state legislature. It can be Congress. It can even be your city council. You go to them, and enough citizens make enough noise, you can find a way to get the city to either regulate the use of particular technologies or to put them off limits all together. All right. So it isn't a matter of waiting for a court to rule. What you're asking is you're asking for the legislative body that puts down the rules for that police department to say, we are not going to use this. Our citizens don't want it. And you can, you know, we have this kind of regulation in point of fact, and nothing in the Constitution prohibits our legislative bodies, whether they are city legislative bodies or state legislative bodies, you can do it. There is nothing that says that the Constitution is the only rule. The Constitution, the Fourth Amendment, is the minimum standard. So you can go to your city council and you can say, we don't want drones used. You can go to your, your state legislature and say, we only want drones used in these circumstances and we want there to be a warrant. 
all of those things are within the power of citizens to do. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, you got to be organized. You got to have political backing. There has to be uh, a, a way to, to get this done in the, all the practical senses that, that you would build support for any type of legislation. But that is, a, is another take on how you as a citizen can deal with the use of technology and surveillance techniques by law enforcement. You are not powerless. You don't have to accept whatever the police want. It can be regulated. It can be banned outright. It's all constitutional to do that. That is the answer that I've come up with uh, to this very good question. So thank you a lot for that question, Holly. I appreciate it. If you have a question about our criminal justice system and how it works, you don't have to wait for courts either. You can do what Holly did. You can call your question in, and I'll take a shot at it. That number is 412-407-3389. Once again, 412-407-3389. Leave us your first name, where you're calling from, and your brief question. Also, leave us a callback number so that we can get in touch like we did with Holly if we need to do that before putting your question on the podcast. But of course, we won't share that contact information with anyone. I am David Harris. I enjoyed answering Holly's question, and I'll be back with you next time. Criminal Injustice is written by David Harris and produced by Josh Rawlerson. Interviews are recorded at the studios of WESA in Pittsburgh. For more information, links, and past episodes, visit criminalinjusticepodcast.com.